Welcome to Hello Health Today, where health is a leadership strategy. I'm Dr. Carmen Mohan. I have on the phone with me today my good friend, Hello Health Clinic member and physician colleague, Dr. Kirsten Bendick. She's been working hard in the emergency room treating all manner of patients, including those with symptoms of severe COVID-19. And she's here as part of our Leaders Under Fire series to talk about self-care for first responders. Dr. Bendick, welcome to our show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Let me just introduce Dr. Bendick more fully. Dr. Kirsten Bendick was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, one of five children born to parents who immigrated from Honduras to seek higher education. She is a graduate of Georgetown University and received her medical degree from the Medical College of Georgia. She returned to Georgetown University and completed her residency in emergency medicine, and then she finished her training with a fellowship in emergency ultrasound. She currently works and teaches emergency ultrasound at a community hospital here in the metro Atlanta area. She lives with her dear husband and their wonderful daughters, aged four and seven. Kirsten has lived an international life, having spent over a year in Germany learning in the language and participating in research at the University of Heidelberg. She has also spent time in Buenos Aires, Argentina, providing medical care in limited resource settings. So, Kirsten, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your crazy schedule to share some of your wisdom. Oh, my pleasure. What, what a world it's been. No kidding. It feels like yesterday when we were like back in medical school training for the Atlanta Half Marathon. Do you remember those days? <laughs> How could I forget? That was like the highlight of medical school. <laughs> the highlight of medical school is running with me and learning pharmacology. Uh, yeah, man. I was like the fittest I had been. I had never done a half marathon. We were being time efficient. We were studying, uh, grilling each other while running. Honestly, um, along the canal. Those days got me through school, seriously. And you know what? They're just now um, discovering like new research that suggests that exercise makes you like smarter. And back then, you remember people would look at us and just be like, I can't believe you aren't spending time studying. And they would get like they were kind of mad at us for running and, and trying to learn at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we literally had flashcards in our hands while we were running. <laughs> It was like we would, one of us would take turn. Like I think it was like somebody. It was somebody's turn to be responsible for actually bringing the cards because they were that heavy. Yeah, for like teaching the other. <laughs> How long have we been friends? Oh man, I mean, I feel like it's been a couple decades, but uh, it's probably been closer to I don't know, maybe seventeen years. We're going eighteen it's, years. Yeah, I don't even know. I know it's been a while. You know, I don't think in all this time I ever asked you why you chose emergency medicine as your specialty. Oh, that probably goes back to um, my teen years. I volunteered at Emory University Hospital, and part of the volunteer program we rotated through the different departments. So we would do the wards, we would, I did the recovery room and those were great. And then I got to go to the emergency room, which I think was called the treatment room at the time, because it was, really wasn't that big. And that kind of lit my fire the most, because um, you got to see all these different um, patients. And then when I went to Georgetown, they had a um, EMS service is called GERMS, Georgetown Emergency Response Medical Service. And that was super awesome. I was, you got these uniforms and you had these walkie talkies and you felt 
like big man on campus because you would be in a class and then there'd be a call and you'd have to respond. Um, so I've always had an attraction to the emergency um, aspect of, of medical care. Um, but when we started medical school, I, I wanted to keep an open mind. And so, you know, every different rotation I considered, oh, I could do this, um, whether it be like neurology or um, internal medicine. I, I even loved trauma surgery, which I never thought that I would like. Um, but at, at the end of each rotation, I, would, I wouldn't want to say I would go bored, but I would say that I kind of wanted a little more spice. Um, and they, they don't let you do emergency medicine rotation until your fourth year. And so, because you need to know a little bit about every different field. And so when I got to that rotation, it felt like home because, you know, you'd have a heart attack next to a kid with a fever and then someone would come in with a stroke. Um, and so it just, it combined all of my interests kind of right there. You know, I think the first time I actually got to see you in action professionally was when you volunteered to run the medical tent for the race two years ago. So I remember watching like thousands of runners passing the half marathon tent. They're running by and you're there offering medical care so quickly with a smile on your face. You're really a brilliant physician and you really love what you do. It shows. Oh, you're sweet. Yeah, that was that was fun. It was an early morning, um, but it's just it's great seeing so many people getting out there and running. You know, I, was, I didn't uh, think about it at the time, but it's like it's kind of like full circle. You know, our, our friendship begins running and studying medicine and then it full circles back to, you know, I'm directing and you're there like running that tent like crazy and we're supporting runners. I, I don't know. I, I never reflected. I didn't stop to reflect on that, but it's kind of beautiful now. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I didn't think about that. Um, that's pretty amazing that you were able to, uh, you know, direct a race of such high caliber um, right off the bat. Um, it was it was a pleasure to be part of that. Thanks for having me then, too. Well, you gave up an early morning to be there. So it's me who should be thanking you, my friend. So before COVID-19 upended our lives, you were already using the Hello Health system as part of your stress management program. Uh, what sorts of things are helping you decompress? Yeah, so um, it's helping me kind of keep that framework of, you know, I got to stay healthy. So I, I, I make the commitment to get out there, get sun on my face, walk. I've actually... Um, We've purchased a, a used bike, uh, a road bike, and now I'm biking. Um, so even if the kids, you know, still want to be with me, we, I throw them in the trailer and I, I and I get out there. Um, sleep is still paramount, so try and make that a, a priority. And uh, now that we aren't going to, you know, gymnastics and basketball, we are eating more at home and um, I'm fortunate to have a wonderful spouse who cooks. And so he is getting us some good vegetables and fruit and we're just, you know, eating right. I'm really proud of you. You're eating right. You know how I <laughs> like to get those vegetables into you. <laughs> uh, I know. And, and my daughter has discovered that she likes raw um, yellow peppers. Um, mm. so I never thought she'd eat those. So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> 
So I know you don't have time even for like a virtual clinic visit right now. If you're willing, I thought we could use some of this time today to walk through the Hello Health framework for leaders under fire and design your new self-care plan right now. Are you game for that? Yeah, man, let's do it. Okay. (laughs) So the first step um, when we're beginning to design the plan for good self-care is to name the causes of stress. And so what we're telling everyone is like, just by naming what is the most stressful for you in particular, it really helps us start to process better and make good decisions for ourselves. So we're asking our listeners to start to categorize their stress into two general areas. One is grief for what the COVID-19 pandemic has really um, caused us to lose. And then fear because things are so uncertain right now. What kinds of grief are you coping with what what are you missing right now oh i am grieving the school system <laughs> <laughs> like like the elementary school system <laughs> oh my gosh i the, the i have a whole new level of appreciation for teachers in the school and and how to educate these these kiddos um it was not only you know are they teaching them but it's also somewhere where they would physically go um, and I could c- kind of count on that being a little bit of my alone time if, if I'm not working. Um, and I just I just didn't have to kind of worry about them. And now that they're home 24-7, uh, that's a whole new level of uh, energy expenditure that, that I didn't really count on. Uh, so I am grieving the schools, um, that role that they provided in, in our family life. Yeah, there's there's a reason that I did not go into pediatrics, right? Like You're telling me, sister. <laughs> Gosh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I can only imagine the stress that being an emergency room physician is right now. Um, but on the other hand, I also imagine that you're pretty familiar with that aspect of professional stress. Are there new stresses related to work right now? Yeah. So, you know, we are trained for this, but it also is not our routine to have to, you know, grab our masks and our N95s and surgical masks and gown and, and, you know, there's so much that's still not known about COVID-19. You know, we we, we don't want to get infected. We don't want to infect others. A lot of this is still theoretical. Um, we're having to put on PAPRs uh, if we have to put a patient on a ventilator. So there's, you know, there's a collegiality that's sort of missing, you know, in, in working in the ER where uh, we're a close-knit bunch but and now we're sort of you know trying to kind of stay apart from each other like I remember there's a nurse and uh she lost her dog and and my my impulse was to to give her a hug but but I couldn't um I didn't and it's it's just it's sort of an isolating feeling um so I don't want to say you were feeling handcuffed but it's just it's you're you're practicing a different way than, than you normally do you know, and that's in addition to the stressors of having to worry about people at home as well. 
Yeah, you mean like people like your mom? Yeah. How's your mom doing? My, yeah. my mom, my dad, um, my in-laws. I, I actually love my in-laws, and I, I, I'm terrified that they could become infected. And so we haven't even visited them. Um, it's been now a couple of months because um, I, I do not want, want to be responsible, to, you know, if, if God forbid I didn't don't have symptoms but have the virus, I, I would that I, I don't think I could live with myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a whole new, I think it's, it's particular to women in medicine that you, we could, we could kill someone we love and all because we didn't know what was causing the spread or that we, we should be, you know, hold up at home. Right. That's, I'm really sorry that you're having to do that. Um, I get the benefit of learning from what you learn and, um, I know you're out there, right out there in front. I'm so appreciative of you. Thanks. Yeah, I think the um, in the beginning, I, I was, I'll be honest, I, I was scared and I really wasn't thrilled to have to go into work. Um, but as the weeks have gone on, I'm feeling m- more comfortable because I haven't gotten sick. Nobody at home has, I haven't gotten anyone sick at home. Um, so I feel like, you know, what we're doing with the masks and the gloves and the disinfectants um, and the way we're, we're treating, I'm feeling more comfortable that we're protecting ourselves um, and that, you know, that, that has decreased my, my stress level as far as th- that particular worry. Absolutely. You feel like your tools are working for you. I'm so, so thankful. So, so thankful. Um, so... So that that's pretty stressful. I'm stressed just thinking about it. <laughs> so um, if we, the next step within our framework is um, start thinking about like how charged are your own batteries, like your those personal wellsprings of energy, and to really assess where you are in terms of your sense of resiliency. So how charged do you feel like your battery was before the pandemic hit? <laughs> uh, I don't remember before COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> Truth be told, I, I don't. Um, I think, you know, there have been some changes in child care, so um, I probably wasn't fully recharged. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I honestly don't remember. You know, you right now you're having to really toggle between your personal and your professional life. Do you feel like you're not getting enough time to yourself to decompress before you're jumping into the next task? Uh, yeah, there is no time to decompress. I mean, I, as you know, children are 24/7. Well, I guess when they sleep, but still even when they're asleep you worry about them, but you know, they they wake up, they run in, they wake me up whether or not I had just finished a shift and still needed to sleep. Um, and, and they're ready to go. Do you think that the sheer amount of information you're having to process right now is like completely overwhelming? Oh my gosh. You know, since there's so much that we don't know about this, you know, you, you, you get online and you're trying to learn as much as you can about COVID-19 and, and what you can do to protect yourself. Um, and, and how do you treat patients even, you know, there is no like, you know, source that can tell you, okay, this is what you do for this type of patient. This is what you do for that type of patient. Um, and and so you're trying to read as much as possible, keep up to date, um, so that, you know, we can, you can, we can win against this crisis. Yeah, absolutely. 
So in terms of your energy level, you're like, you're, you're not as full as you'd like to be, but you're, you're also not, you don't feel like you're at risk for burning out. You feel like you can kind of keep going. You're kind of in between, would you say? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, what you have, uh, our, the plan that we have come together, you know, about making sure that I'm getting enough sleep and, um, exercising and eating right. I, I feel like I'm, I'm doing a better job of, of self-care, which is, is really hard to do. So I think your assessment's about right. Oh, good. Well, you know, I'm really glad that some of the stuff that we started back, I don't know, it's been a few months ago, maybe six months ago. I'm glad some, like some of it started to work before this happened. And, and so now I'm, you know, if we say that COVID-19 has just set us all, like hardly any of us know which way is up. Um, we all need to kind of reassess our self-care plans and make sure that they're as evidence-based as possible, but as time efficient as possible. So the next step that we're taking inside the framework is to build your tent. And what we mean by that is like, you're going to need a reprieve from the stress. It, it, even though it, the demands are 24 seven, everyone deserves a little bit of time and uh, a place where they're not feeling the, the burdens of the world, if you will. So kind of like the general's tent offers some rest and recuperation and some comfort. We are hoping to help each one of our leaders build that kind of thing. So the first strategy we're asking every leader to deploy is to insert pauses into her day. And we're recommending a minimum of two pauses. So what we're saying is the pause needs to happen first thing in the morning. So do one thing for yourself first thing in the morning. And then the second thing we're asking everyone to do is write down your wins. What are you doing for yourself, Dr. Bendick, first thing in the morning? Well, since my kids run in and jump on me first thing in the morning, uh, first thing I try and do is get them to go get dad to get mom a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so that would be my 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 first sort of strategy on, on how to get me a few seconds of time before uh, taking on the day um, and, and figuring out that that pause all right here we go let's do this again no that's a cute coffee delivery service <laughs> yeah it's pretty cute well how about at the end of your day are you writing down your wins I, I wish I could tell you that I was um you know uh, sometimes I'm making a list on my phone just because my phone is more accessible than you know um paper and pen um but at the, at the end of the day, you know, I do review the, the wins that we have, whether that be, you know, I, I got out there for 30 minutes or, you know, I ate something that um, is good for my body or I didn't eat that thing that I wanted to that I know <laughs> is not good for my body. But um, a lot of this is also like just I, I got my kid to do her schoolwork today um, and take that as a win. Oh, that's definitely a win. Definitely record that <laughs> twice. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, so the third thing we're asking every leader to do is to invest in sleep. And I know that's got to be just maybe like the number one challenge for you right now. So let's talk about sleep, especially. Um, can you just explain to our listeners the way that the ER shifts actually work? Because I don't think folks actually realize what a work day, quote unquote, is for you? Sure. The, um, the ER is really its busiest um, 
you know, nights, weekends, and holidays when the other doctor's offices are not open. So we stagger our shifts to cover 24 seven. Um, the first shift starts at 6 AM. Um, and it goes until two, the next doctor comes in at eight, uh, goes until 4 PM. Um, another doctor comes in at 10 and goes home at seven. There's another shift from noon until 9 PM there. And then, and then our relief comes. So there's a 2 PM relief and that ends at 10 PM. There's a 4 PM relief that works until midnight. And then there's a 7 PM shift that goes until 4 AM. And lastly is like the true overnight, which is you go to work at 10 PM and you work until 6 AM. Wow. Wow. So in any one of those, it's not like you're like on a certain shift for the month, right? Oh no. Yeah. You You have a couple of every shift. So a couple 6 AMs, a couple 8 AMs, a couple uh, 10 AMs, a couple 10 PMs, a couple 7 PMs. So I have not had a regular bedtime time. Uh, I don't know. in more than a decade. Yeah. Yeah. It's, wow. So when I say that you need to invest in sleep, what does that actually mean for you? Someone who's got to not necessarily have a consistent bedtime. It's just not in the cards. Yeah. So I have to give you some credit. The when I have a six a.m. shift, that means I'm getting up at five. So I really I gotta be in bed, you know, by nine, um, if not earlier. If um, I'm going in for a four p.m. or seven p.m. or or ten p.m. shift, then I gotta find time to, to take a nap, um, just to, you know, it's not restful, but it you know it just helps you a little bit, but. On, on the back end, you know, fighting to get, you know, the seven to eight, um, ideally eight and a half, nine hours of sleep, uh, you have to kind of schedule it. So you have to kind of figure out, okay, this is, this is what's my work week. So this is when I need to be getting in bed. And I, actually, even the day before, um, I, I appreciate that you pointed that out, that I kind of needed even the, the day before the day before um, to start you know, getting to bed a little bit earlier for those, those early 6am shifts. Oh my goodness. You took some of my advice. <laughs> I'm so honored that oh, it works. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I'm, I'm really glad that you're putting it on your schedule in particular, because it's just, otherwise it won't get done. Right. It just, it's totally it, true. Yeah. <laughs> well, so let me ask you this then. Do you feel guilty when you need a break? Because all I'm hearing is like you are working and then you are mothering and then you're teaching too. And it's incredible to me that you're eating vegetables at this juncture. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, no, it's true. I, I, I feel guilty all the time. I feel, you know, when my spouse is working, um, we try and, you know, keep the children kind of entertained or doing the, the, the school material. Um, and, but then there are times when like, I need to take a nap or I need to get ready for work. Um, and you know, my spouse is terrific. I I really, I I couldn't have done any better, but, uh, but I do, I feel guilty or, you know, when there are some days when we don't have, um, childcare and I don't really want to bring my mom over because I don't want to expose her, but I, I, I also don't want to leave the two kids and my husband trying to work. I mean, that's, that's, that's really challenging. So I, there's a, there's a lot of guilt. 
That's amazing. I mean, we should point out that it is a two physician household right now. And without regular childcare, I mean, getting it done, it's amazing that you're accomplishing so much, honestly. I mean, it's just, you know, we're, we are tag teaming it as best as we can. And I, I, I really am truly grateful to him. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, I really kind of don't know how we're doing it. And we still like each other, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm so glad that you two have each other. You know, I have to ask, could you use a little bit more time to yourself? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's hard because, you know, the kids are... are they're scared too. They don't understand why they can't go to school or why I yell at them. Don't touch that play structure. Uh, the park is closed and, um, they, I think they, they need reassurance. And so they want to be with mom and I get that. Um, but I don't, uh, um, I want, I want to reassure them. And so I feel, you know, guilty that, I kind of need to take time for myself. And so kind of we've found one kind of workaround where um, I get on the bike and I put them in the trailer. And so I get a little of my alone time and, and, and you know, they are still with me, but they're just kind of in the trailer. Oh, I love that. How's the bike going? Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about it. Um, the, you know, it's nice to get out there. I feel like I'm, um, building muscle. I had kind of just been walking, um, because of that knee injury that, um, you're helping me with. And, um, we used to bike a lot more before the kids. And so I have to say that one positive thing about COVID-19 is that I'm seeing a lot of people out there and I'm getting out there, um, biking a lot more. Um, so it's, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. My, my, my knee's not hurting, so. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm really glad. That's great. <laughs> do, do you feel like you have a, a backstage of people, like, who understand what you're going through and are, are helping you come up with solutions to some of the obstacles you're facing? Um, y- yes and no. Uh, the The school has been really great about, um, the homeschooling challenges, but I don't think they really get what I'm doing as far as work goes. Yeah. Um, and then even the people that I work with, unless they have small children or if they're a, a, a female physician, you know, I don't think they a hundred percent get it. Um, but, you know, there are people like you and um, other mentors that, that I have and some of the physicians from residency that we've been, you know, keeping tabs on each other. Um, but it, it's, it is isolating because, you know, people think you're a hero, but they also kind of really don't want you to come over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, and I know... I think part of the grief that we didn't mention in our first step was that, you know, you're, you're kind of extroverted, right? Like you like to be around people. You have a big family 
And and those spontaneous interactions that we used to have, they're just completely gone right now. And that energy that used to come back to us, it's gone. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I told you this um, at another time that we, you know, I, I get energy from people and, you know, with everything kind of being shut down, it's just... You know, I kind of look forward to working in the ER, to tell you the truth, because I get to see my team and, and they understand kind of what we're going through. But uh, there was a nurse who lost her dog and my initial reaction is to give her a hug. But I, I couldn't do that because we're trying to kind of maintain distances and not one of us wants to get sick. Um, so to protect her and to protect myself, you know, I... I I couldn't give her that hug, but it was, you know, it's not my natural instinct. And so having to kind of retrain yourself, it's, and then you're at home and it's, it's, it's isolating. Yeah, I hear you. Um, how has using the Hello Health system enhanced your self-care or your decision-making during these times of huge uncertainty? You know, now that we're home and, and when I'm not working, um, we are getting outside, we are exercising. So we're making that a priority. You know, we're eating right. We're keeping as best as we can the girls on a, a night routine so that they get the number of hours of sleep that they, that, that is what they need. Um, and then, you know, we're not eating the kind of comfort food or trying to stick to, to healthy food. I'm just so thankful right now that you're, you're still healthy. It's how far in are we six weeks, seven weeks into this thing? Yeah. And you're, you sound pretty good. You know, I'm so thankful. Yeah. Well, I have you to think, you know, I think I sort of had no, that no. health midlife crisis a couple months back. Um, and you really have got me on the, okay, well, this, these are the things that, are pretty good and these are things that we got to work on and you've done it even even though there's a pandemic well, and the first of its I, kind you, oh well, my I'm gosh. still eating, <laughs> eating more than my fair share of desserts um yeah. <laughs> i mean you know the community has been fantastic you know people have been donating food to the er one of my neighbors um dropped off some carrot raisin muffins um so, you know, I, I'm definitely cheating as far as the sweets. It's really hard not to have that chocolate chip cookie when it looks so good. No, but you're resisting. I'm so proud of you. And I'm really, um, I'm really so, I, I admire the community members who realize how much time you're actually having to spend in your masks. Um, I think you had told me someone dropped off lotion to help with some skin Oh, yeah. And- Jessica, who takes care of my skin, she drove over and dropped me off this barrier skin cream and um, some products to help my face because, it, you know, it, taking on and off the mask, it wears at the skin at your, the bridge of your nose and around your ears. One of our former physicians, her mom was making headbands with the buttons on it so that you can loop the surgical masks to the buttons instead of behind your ears and it's such a good idea that's amazing yeah i mean 
the generosity of the community, and, and you hear it all over the nation, uh, it, you know, it really makes you proud to be an American. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I hope that these kinds of stories will come more to light, you know, that there are so many people solving problems and realizing what, how they can be helpful right now, even if they're not like a, the heroes like you, um, they, that each one of us can do what we can to just be a little bit helpful and getting through this very, very uncertain time. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the community has been really great about, you know, staying home, even just that that's your part. If you can't do any of those other things like that, that is a huge part because we're just trying to flatten that curve. So, um, I know that your time is precious and so, um, I'm going to exit with, um, action steps for today. So Dr. Bendick, do you have some that you'd be willing to share with us? Yes. Um, the first one is yes, you can, yes, you can take 30 minutes of your day to get out there and exercise. Even if that means just walking, you open the door to your house, you get out, you walk 15 minutes, you stop, you turn around and you walk back. And that is, that's 30 minutes and you, you can do that. Um, the second one would be, no, it's not. No, it is not more important to do X, Y, or Z than it is to sleep. Sleep is so important, crucial. You, you think better. You make better decisions. Um, and whatever it is, laundry or, you know, cleaning the kitchen or, you know, working a little bit more on that project, it, it's, it's really, it is not worth sacrificing sleep. And I think the third thing I want to say, which I do a lot, is forget and reset. And what I mean is that life throws you a curveball and you're doing well on your health plan, you know, eating right, exercising, and then, you know, you have a couple of night shifts and you don't feel like doing that or whatever happens. Um, I don't dwell on the past, you know, just forget about it, reset, start over um, and, and get out there and keep doing what you do to, to get yourself healthy and fit because, you know, everybody in your household benefits when you are taking care of yourself. Oh my goodness. So my good friend, Kirsten, Dr. Bendek, on behalf of everyone here, at Hello Health. And for everyone listening now, I just wanted to thank you for being our hero combating COVID-19 on the front lines. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're such a hero. I'm, we're so blessed that we have you. Oh, thanks. It's, we, we appreciate the support. We feel it. And we love you guys. So if you like what you hear on Hello Health today, please support the show. You can do that by taking some time right now to rate and review us. It helps other people find us. Subscribe now so Hello Health today is automatically loaded into your feed. Until next time, remember, today is good, even when we're under fire. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. 
Because I am a medical doctor, it's important for me to tell you that nothing I say here in this podcast can substitute for your doctor's advice. My lawyers make me say the same thing this way. The contents of this podcast are neither intended nor implied to be relied on for medical diagnosis, care, or treatment concerning any individual. Under no circumstances does this podcast create a physician-patient relationship, nor does it constitute engagement in the practice of medicine or the provision of any healthcare service to an individual patient. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis and treatment. Consult a healthcare provider before making any healthcare decisions or to obtain guidance about any medical conditions. The producers of this podcast expressly disclaimed responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of reliance on the information contained in this podcast.